Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our live Texans Steelers postgame show. Robert with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bijani out at NRG Stadium. And Sean, are we sure this isn't a playoff team? Are we sure this is just a six or seven win team? What is going on in Houston, man? It's a good football team, man. It's a good football team. Uh, I think we found that out uh, every game, every win that you get. Um, it's just more and more affirmation. You know, I, I'd said earlier to a few people, you've got yourself an offensive coordinator. You knew you had yourself a quarterback by now. You might have yourself a pretty dang good football team because the discipline that they're playing with, uh, the propensity that they've shown to be creative, not just with formations and things you see on the field that you can see, but the creativity in terms of game planning. I think you saw, and we could talk about a few of them later on as they come up on both the offensive and defensive side. It's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and we got to have a whole conversation a little bit later, or as this goes along, on our quarterback, C.J. Stroud, who might have some superstar, I'm going to throw that word out there, for you in this one second most passing yards through four starts in nfl history in nfl history second most passing yards 16 for 30 306 yards two touchdowns still no interceptions this year like i said more on him later get in the comments on stroud the texans whatever we got to hear from you what is your expectation for cj stroud now that we're this far into the season, let's unpack this one possession by possession, though, Sean, as we do every week. And the Texans with a great 12-play, 69-yard drive, particularly great play calling by Bobby Slowick, as you mentioned earlier. And they over- overcame an overrule on a Stroud touchdown. Two penalties by Shaq Mason. I think they said one was on Kendrick Green, but it looked on the replay like Shaq Mason Two of them inside the 10-yard line. Two penalties. And, Sean, I'm not used to my Texans overcoming two touchdowns called back. That's impressive. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was certainly going to do that. Um, I made a note. The Texans would have been dead in the water after penalties like that in years past. It was, it was a, a fantastic job, not just by C.J. Stroud, not just by this offense, but by Bobby Sloak continuing to dial up a successful play after successful play after successful play. I mean, hell, they, they at one point could have scored three damn touchdowns. If you were allowed to just kind of keep going, <laughs> you know, hey, let's see how many times we can score. The Damian Pierce play that went for 27 yards very well could have been a touchdown on that drive. But Dalton Schultz looked like he wanted to play patty cake with dudes today and didn't block a soul. Uh, if he picks up one block, the way Damian Pierce had been running all last week, you didn't see the results. But the way he started running today and continued to run the ball today, he probably scores a touchdown on that one. I just thought tremendous all-around job uh, from an offensive standpoint to, as you said, you know, overcome. And I, I talked to John Mechie after the ball game, and I asked him about, you know, that series of events. Hey, look, you get down in the red zone, and then, you know, you get a couple of penalties and a touchdown called back. I was like, teams suffocate themselves a lot in those situations. And he was like, dude, for us to overcome that, that just sparked us for the rest of the game. Steven Nelson 
with a hell of an interception on Pickett's deep throw on the next drive. Sean, is it safe to say that Steven Nelson is the Texans defensive MVP so far? Best player? Um, Man, I don't know about MVP, but uh, let's whittle it down to best player in the secondary so far. Uh, because up front, at least for today, Jonathan Grenard, you know, is solidifying his case as being one of the most disruptive guys, you know, in that front seven. With a couple of more sacks today, you know, he had a TFL, at least one of those. Um, he's been very disruptive in this D'Amico Ryan's defense. So I'd say Jonathan Grenard probably had a case to be made there, too. Yeah, that's one game. I, Steven Nelson consistently with all the injuries in the secondary. I'm just saying Steven Nelson's – I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Jonathan Grenard later. Hell of a game. He showed up more than just in this game today, which it was it was his coming out party, if you want to say he filled it where he filled up the stat sheet most. But I thought he's affected the game uh, pretty well uh, in these first four weeks. But, yeah, Nelson's been terrific. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, you're destroying my narrative. I hate you for that. Uh, you create your own narrative. I got mine. You got yours. <laughs> Texans pick up a couple of first downs, but on a third down, Highsmith gets past Deculus, so Stroud has to rush a throw a bit to Woods. Texans settle for a fair barren field goal. But the key here, I think, Sean, is even though they had to settle for a field goal, even though Deculus, uh, he had a little bit of a rough day. We talk about that in a bit. But they controlled the ball most of the first quarter and most of the first half, really. Uh, they did. Um, and, again, I think it goes back to the creativity from Bobby Slowick. Uh, you know, you mentioned Austin Deculus. He got the start today, played the first two series. Then they put uh, Jaron Christian in at left tackle. Took me a little bit to figure that one out. Um, I know Deculus had a little bit of a rough day today. I won't say it was, like, terrible. I mean, he really stood out, like, maybe twice to me. You know, Highsmith blew past him in one instance and uh, got the QB hit on Stroud, who was lucky to get it off at that point in time, and it was probably his most dangerous throw of the day, if I'm recalling correctly. Maybe really two today that could have been picked off. But when he gotten rid of the ball, as we've seen much of the time this season, and it, in instances where he's – making those tough throws to Robert Woods or Nico Collins or Tank Dell, it's almost like where they're going to be the only ones to get them or nobody else. Uh, and Wallace almost came up with that pick on that play that I'm trying to recall in my mind. But um, Austin Deculus, I thought, like did a pretty darn good job in the run blocking uh, scheme of things in terms of pass blocking. Look, I don't know if you could write home about anybody in terms of that just man-to-man with this offensive line. Uh, the big part of them in neutralizing T.J. Watt today and al- allowing uh, Alex Highsmith to only get to C.J. Stroud, I believe he got to him three times for three QB hits, no sacks for the second straight week. Tremendous job by the offensive line there. But I think it, it was just the creativity to bring extra guys in and chip and provide double teams and provide a little bit of misdirection and just play action enough to where you're giving that defense a millisecond of doubt in their mind. And that's what I've talked about for so long. You have to do that as an offensive coordinator. You have to be able to execute that uh, if you're C.J. Stroud in this offensive line. Uh, I thought they did a really good job today. The Texans defense with a three and out. The offense with a seven-play, 48-yard drive. Stroud just misses Mechie and Woods on second and third down. So they settle for a field goal. But, Sean, at this point, Damian Pierce, 11 carries, 53 yards, 
And I couldn't help but think of our preview show earlier in the week when I asked Steelers insider Mark Bergen about the poor Steelers run defense. The Texans got their run game going. The Steelers defense helped them out somewhat. Yeah, and Damian Pierce, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to him this week. They didn't make him available. Didn't get a chance to talk to him today after the game, but I can't wait until I do this week because he mentioned to me last week that he'd gone back and looked at old tape and where he was lining up pre-snap along with Danny Barrett, his running back coach, and said, you know what, maybe maybe I just need to take a half step back instead of lining up at seven, maybe seven and a half. And I think since he'd said that, you've seen a different Damian Pierce. Just that little millisecond of extra time, that extra tick that he's got to process what he's seeing. He's talked about wanting to be a more patient runner. Well, you could do it one or two ways. You could kind of slow it down, press the hole a little bit, wait for these blocks to open up or these holes to open up with these blocks, or you can get both things going for you. Take that step back, allow it to happen for just a millisecond longer, and I think you're starting to see slowly but surely that Damian Pierce from last year, that more of an angry, more ill-intentioned runner show up now, and I think you saw it today. The Texans' defense with another three and out, Halfway through the second quarter, the Steelers had 17 total yards. So the Texans drive down the field. And this is really my only issue with Slowick in the entire game. Third and long, a not long as in long, but a long one yard. He goes with the quarterback sneak. Didn't like that. And then on fourth and one, which is where I thought he should have gone with the sneak. Instead, it's an incomplete pass. Also, Sean, The Texans, a couple quarterback sneaks in this game, but they don't take advantage of the QB tush push on these uh, sneaks. So that's that's an issue that I've got. Like the design of them, we saw the Eagles do that all year to perfection with Jalen Hurts. And why not do it with your team as well? I mean, the rule's there, so take advantage of it. Are you talking about uh, the offensive possession where they turned it over on downs? They went for it on the fourth and one? Yeah, yeah. That's the one. Right. Yeah, I didn't like that call either. Um, you know, that was a long one. That was a long one. And I just, I thought it's fine to go with that call pre-snap. But once you see the Steelers, you know, just clog those A and B gaps up and they line a nose guard right up over the center, that's a tough ask for anybody. You can tush push, whatever the hell you want to call it, whatever you want to do. To me, you got to pivot to something else there. And I'd like to see them, you know, just clog up, muck up the line of scrimmage with, I thought they did a really good job of on the offensive line today for the most part and the defensive line. So we can talk about later on. I'd like to just see them pivot, keep Stroud under center and get outside zone going, you know, move back in motion, move a tight end in motion, get that extra edge out there to seal it and see if you can get it off the outside. Because one of the things that stood out to me today early on where, the, where Damian Pierce was having success running the football along with uh, Devin Singletary, outside zone, baby. Outside zone was where it was at. Those yeah. Steelers defensive uh, defensive linemen, those edge rushers, and Alex Highsmith and T.J. Watt, they were so damn wide. You could find that hole. Typically, it wouldn't be there in the C-gap. Wasn't there for the D-gap, but it opened up. Like, you could drive a damn truck through that C-gap at times, and the Texans sure enough did. 
Um, I, I thought they would, they should have gone with something like that. But all in all, <clears throat> I like the aggressive play calling. I, they said from day one they were going to be aggressive. They have been, and I like it. Yeah, you said it perfectly with what they did with the zone blocking and what they did to combat the Steelers' defense. Slowak, great day. And like I said, I just I didn't like it on the third down and a long one, but I would have taken it the the tush push on the yeah. short fourth down. That's the only my only complaint with Slowick. So let's go to the Texans fifth offensive drive. They finally get uh past midfield. I should say the the Steelers finally get past midfield, but the Texans deal with another stop, overcoming a couple of penalties again. We see them overcome penalties today in many situations, yeah. which was huge. And then Stroud with another chance at a one-minute drill. And I, I want to say the second time we've seen it this year, maybe last week against Jacksonville, I'm trying to remember, but he hits Nico. A couple of huge plays yeah. setting up a last-second Fairbairn field goal, Sean. And before we go further, Kaimi Fairbairn, uh, fantastic. I mean, he has looked so good this year, and it's not just that he's making them. Most of these field goals look like they're right down the middle. Right down Broadway, man. I mean, hell, uh, the one that he missed, uh, what was it, last week or two weeks ago, uh, he missed two of them. Like, one, it was either blocked or it was just completely shanked from 46. They took the penalty, and he ended up missing it from 51. Um, that's about as bad as you've seen Kaimi Fairbairn look in two-plus years, to be honest with you. Um, he's Mr. Automatic, and it's all set up. Don't downplay this. That that series alone, where you hit Collins on that short little uh, inside leverage he got, I would have called it a seam route, but it really didn't even develop into that until after the catch that went for 42 yards. Then he hits him on the 15-yard screen, clocks it at four seconds. That's what you've been banging your head against the table to see from a Houston Texan quarterback even during Deshaun Watson's years, to be quite honest with you, because you didn't have the play caller to do that, to dial that up. You've got yourself an offensive coordinator that gets it, that understands the personnel that he has, and that maybe, you know what, isn't afraid to throw some things out at his personnel groupings to make him say, you know what, go get it. Let me see who you can be. Not just, hey, this is who you are, and so this is what I've got for you. No, show me who you can be. And I think Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Robert Woods, Dalton Schultz today is reciprocating that. Tiff says, great win. C.J. Stroud was untouched by the ferocious Steelers defense, and we can't agree more with that. Uh, let's keep going. The Texans outgained, by the way, in the first half, they outgained the Steelers 271 yards to 53, <laughs> dominating. Beautiful dominating jj watt goes into the ring of honor at halftime i'm going to circle back to jj later you guys are going to hear from some of his ex-teammates so stay tuned for that now first possession for the steelers in the third they finally get past midfield but on third and short toa toa stuffs the run on initial penetration penetration forcing a field goal sean and toa toa it, it was a mixed bag wasn't it today you saw some good and some bad um, you know, to be honest with you, I have to go back and look for the bad, uh, because I didn't see much of it to the naked eye. I was actually talking to a few people up in the press box just about the progression that Toa Toa has made over the course of the last three weeks. Last week, I felt like he was seeing the action in the backfield faster and hitting his run fits better. And I thought he became a better tackler last week. 
Um, I thought he'd shown the propensity to, to be a better cover guy and be a good run fit early in this ball game, just playing his natural position of middle linebacker better than anybody else has on this team to this point, not named Denzel Perryman. And Perryman hadn't been perfect either. Just Toa Toa just – it's amazing what being put in a natural role for you can do with your confidence. And to me, he's playing with a lot of it right now. I, I saw a lot of good from Toa Toa today. I have to go back and look and see some things that maybe he needs to work on. But um, he knifed in that D-line on a, on a really good run fit. It was a second effort to trip up. I think it could have been Warren or it might have been Harris on an early run in this ball game, and I was just like, man, that's what the Texans have been missing is that second and third effort from those middle linebackers. Yeah, I, I remember the play that you said. We're going to talk about another huge play that he makes later in the game. <clears throat> the tackling itself, I still want to see get better. He's yeah. got to get stronger. He's still getting run over. He's still getting uh, guys that are just overpowering him too much for a, for a guy in his position, but We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, the Texans go three and out next. T.J. Watt gets by George Fant on third down, forcing an intentional grounding. So Steelers with great field position. Toa Toa breaks up a touchdown pass. And that was one of those great plays that, you know, saw the good and bad. That maybe is the play of the year for him. And then a huge play uh, on third and goal from the five, Sean. Texans with really good coverage forcing the field goal um you know that toa toa uh play that you're talking about i can't remember the receiver whoever it was but they actually caught the damn ball but toa toa was just all over him like a glove did just like you're taught get the arm up the hand in the face mask guy still makes an incredible catch but it was the fact that the coverage was so good and his momentum was pushing him out of the back of the end zone didn't allow him to get the extra foot down well and he stripped the ball out of his hand too he stripped the ball. Yeah, maybe, I, and I didn't see that part. But then that following play, you know, I actually thought the Texans kind of got lucky uh, with Graylin Arnold and Steven Nelson in on coverage there because it looked like there was a mix-up. There were two guys running, one to the near pylon, one to the back pylon, and somebody, I think it was probably uh, Arnold, who was supposed to take the guy headed to the back pylon, didn't. Both him and Nelson collapsed on the guy towards the near pylon. thought they got really lucky there. You mentioned they forced a 23-year-old field goal attempt, which was good, made it a 10-point game. There was a couple of instances today where, you know, we talk about last week, them playing such a complimentary and complete game. Go back and you watch the film. There's a few instances, special teams-wise, but certainly defensively, where the communication aspect, even with Petrie and Ward back there, it's still not where it needs to be. There's always there's always something you need to work on. And to me, they've got to be able to communicate a little bit better on those routes in which that slot receiver crosses a guy's face and you have to you have to be able to say, Hey, you know, we're gonna cross too. If he crosses my face, outside guy's got him. I've got the outside guy, because if one's going, another one's coming. And I think Arnold and Nelson got kind of messed up there, but you know, uh it, they didn't they didn't get hurt for it this time, luckily. Real quick before we uh, keep going through the game, uh, Tiff says Tank Dell was quiet today. Was he injured? I, I don't think he was. I just thought, you know, Stroud didn't have a lot of time to, you know, set yeah. up Tank for some stuff. But, I mean, some big plays by him. The end-around play that got some big yardage near the goal line. Uh, he made a couple of catches. Yeah, Tank was fine, mm-hmm. I thought. Uh, the, the only thing 
I want to see him hold on to the ball on that punt. Uh, luckily, he recovered his own fumble, but yeah. that's that's the only real downfall for for him in the whole game. I I, I just thought, you know, Stroud's going to go where the where guys are open and where he sees the best shot, and and it just wasn't one of those days, you know. Yeah, and Dell was targeted three times today. Had the one catch. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head, though. You know, Stroud was under pressure, you know, quite a bit. Had to get rid of the ball uh, very quickly. And look, there was a lot happening in the game today. Uh, I think he finished what sixteen of thirty through the air. Um, yeah. It just it didn't feel like it, man. It didn't feel like sixteen of thirty. It felt more like twenty two of thirty uh, yeah. to me, just watching it. And I, I think it's because you know. He threw a couple of dangerous balls that I thought maybe could have been picked off. You know, the one I referenced earlier, Wallace, um, that ground ball he threw to Woods on like a little uh, seam route or what was, looked like it was going to be a crosser, but Stroud had to get rid of it quickly. Wallace could have picked that one off the ground, didn't. There was another one kind of like that, maybe like mid-second quarter. Um, but Stroud did such a good job of seeing the blitz and just seeing when the pocket was going to fail. And he got the ball out quick. And again, we saw this really in the second half against the Indianapolis Colts week two. The job that Bobby Slowick, in-game adjustment, found a way to create some concepts for Stroud, went under pressure, to just get the ball out quick. And that's what you saw a lot today. So those 14 incompletions, those were a lot of, I just got to get it out. I got to get out and I got to put it where only my guy could get it if he gets it. And I just think you got to give all the credit in the world to Bobby Slowick and Ben McDaniel, their passing game coordinator. Next Texans drive goes nowhere because on third and nine, Stroud pressured from Highsmith beats Deculus. Those were the two we mentioned the yeah. one earlier, the two issues I had with Deculus that forced an incompletion Steelers drive into field goal range. But on fourth and one, you talked about your boy, John Grenard, huge game. His second sack also knocks Pickett out of the game. A couple tackles for loss. Uh, you can't say enough about Grenard's game and and really the leap that Grenard has made this season, Sean. You're noticing him now. It seemed like there were plays that he made occasionally last year, but we're actually yeah. noticing him, you know, really changing the game. You know, what stood out to me on that drive, um, specifically for the Steelers, I think it was their first play of that drive. They started on their own 24-yard line. they got to find a way to get something going on the ground, which they hadn't all day. Uh, Harris got the carry, 23 yards on the play. Go back and look at what that Steeler offensive line did because the Texans' defensive line was doing such a fantastic job all day of mucking up the line of scrimmage. Fantastic run fits, fantastic job of fighting through blocks, and that Steeler offensive line, sidestep everybody on that D-line and just sprinted up to the second level. They did that twice on that drive. Went for 23 yards, and uh, Harris had another little carry for about six, seven yards, I think, a pop. A couple of downs later, glossed over. Petrie forced that fumble and uh, had the hit on Warren. Pickett recovered, brought up a second and 18. That was almost, that was almost like a galvanizing hit. Like D'Amico said, oh, crap. I see what this offensive line's doing. We got to bring the wood. Petrie brought, brought the hit stick on that one, and then it set up a couple plays later. Jonathan Grenard, uh, the sack, the turnover on downs. I just thought every time the Steelers seemed to try to pivot 
and figure out a way, D'Amico dialed something up defensively or somebody made a play uh, on the secondary or that front line. It was, uh, again, another all-around fantastic game for the Texans today. All right, I got to take a quick aside. We are Houston Sports Talk. We talk about everything that's going on. Well, we got to talk about this for just two seconds. The Astros <clears throat> come back, win their last four games, and they won the division. The Seattle Mariners beat the Rangers, do us a Go. solid one to nothing in a nail biter. The wow. Astros have won the division. They are home. They do not have to deal with wild card implications on the road. Uh, Sean, I can't say enough about one Jose Abreu, who I know you gave up on, but I said, no, you wait. He's going to he's gonna help us win the division in the final weekend. Couple big home runs, a double, three RBIs in the first two games. All the R- He was an unbelievable. So, uh, Jose Abreu, thank you very much. And the Astros pull it off and somehow win the division. Eight playoff in, in their last nine years. We will have Astros postgame shows uh, in, in the next few days, in the next few, hopefully, a few weeks. Man, I tell you what, uh, there's so much to talk about, but it's October 1st. October is not only the greatest month of the entire year, but uh, this is shaping up to be the most wonderful time of the year right now, unexpectedly. You have a pretty damn good football team on your hands, Houston, and your Astros are once again for the sixth, seventh straight year division champions. Um, I I don't know what to do. Like, I think you said it tongue-in-cheek. Everybody gave up on Jose Abreu. I wish I could be the one to say, ah, I told you so. I never give up on anybody, which is 99.9% of the time. That's the case. But Jose Abreu just been so damn bad and so inconsistent this year. Um, yeah, I was ready to throw in the towel on him as well. But uh, I actually had to hear about it from somebody earlier. It was like, uh, you know, the RBI double in the fourth inning last night. I'm like, I, I, I'm all ears, man. And so I got an earful today. And then he does it again, helps him win the division. I'm all here for it, man. You're in, and you're in, in my opinion, the best path that, you know, to, to give you the most success, the most best chance at success, I should say, is division champions. Um, not just because you can hang a damn banner, but I, I legitimately think, you know, the time off, the bye, that's going to help. Um, it's huge for the Astros. So I'm looking forward to uh, however much longer we get a chance to talk about one of the best baseball teams that we've ever had in the entire city. Yeah, I've already deleted all my Abreu, like my thousand Abreu uh, slander tweets over the last few months. So <laughs> that's already taken care of. Uh, Jay Pat says, great win for the team and fans at home today. Absolutely. So let's go back to the Texans. Their next drive, Stroud and Nico connect for two big third and long completions. They drive down to the five-yard line, sets up Devin Singletary's halfback pass to Schultz for the touchdown. Sean, Singletary's pass surprisingly accurate and the timing the timing of his pass when he decided to throw the football was perfect timing it's little things we've heard about that since day one and look that's one of those plays that could go either way you never really know how it's going to work you know it's going to be blocked up right it's got to be schemed right guys are going to be aligned pre-snap correctly um you got to see the coverage that you're anticipating all of those things have to just go right and it did on that play i asked Devin singletary uh, after the game, I said, all right, man, I'm waiting for the backstory here. Seventh grade B team quarterback, eighth grade what? When's the last time you were a damn quarterback in your life? And he said, fifth grade. 
ain't been a quarterback since fifth grade. Somebody asked him, when's the last time you actually threw a football that meant something in a game? And he said college, and it was a completion, <laughs> uh, but not for a touchdown. That was beautiful. And I got to say, every Texans offensive coordinator that I can remember in this franchise's existence has tried a dang halfback pass. This is the first time that I've been wanting to throat punch anybody for calling it. It worked for the first time. This wasn't like some Chris Brown cockamamie thing inside the five-yard line <laughs> or some ridiculous thing that we see from Rex Burkhead, you know, stinking Pep Hamilton's crazy ideas last year. Uh, this this was fantastic. And, look, there's opportunities. If you go back and you look, probably when the Texans tried those, they were up against it behind the eight ball and just needed something crazy to happen uh, to just get back into a ball game or to hold on to a lead. Texans had an opportunity to do this, like, on kind of a whim. They were really in control of this game, you felt like, even though it was pretty close, like, two-possession game. You're willing to take those chances because you've got that confidence just four weeks in from your offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, but just how disciplined, you know, these skill position players are. Look, the offensive line, a lot of penalties again today. I think they approached, like, eight, nine, ten penalties on the game have a lot of things to clean up there. Some of it's excusable because guys are running out. But all in all, man, this is a disciplined enough football team to where you can do some stuff like that. And forget Singletary, the quarterback. I thought Singletary, the running back, had his best game so far. To me, the key, Sean, was I haven't seen him make guys miss, and he did today. Did, but he also had some better running lanes, to be honest with you. And I, I... I'm really interested. I I want to go back and talk to him this week uh, leading into the Falcons game and see kind of maybe some adjustments that he made. Because I asked Singletary about what Pierce had told me about taking a half step back. And, you know, sometimes that works for backs. Maybe that's something that Singletary said, you know what, maybe that's, maybe that's not a bad idea. You know, like just as our run game in general, we need to give our, our offensive line an opportunity to set their blocks, wait for these holes to open up. But then two, Let's help help ourselves as well um, with with our vision. And so I'd be interested to talk to him and see what he thinks about that and maybe some changes that he, uh, uh, you know, went through with Danny Barrett, the running back coach as well. So after a three and out on defense, the Texans with the dagger. Stroud to Nico, perfect throw, 52-yard touchdown, seven catches, 168 yards for Nico Collins. And Sean? Are we sure the Texans don't have a wide receiver one? We're sure judging uh, Nico off of Davis Mills and Pep Hamilton. Aren't we national guys? Aren't we? You didn't know what you had in Nico. I think the Texans fans thought maybe there's some potential there still. And we knew that he could catch the ball. We knew he could. It was just a matter of, could he, did he have a quarterback that was going to get him the football did I think it was going to be this good this soon? No, but I didn't think Stroud would be this good this soon. Nico Collins, wide receiver one. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really think there's a question that uh, even after the training camp that he had, he was, you know, de facto on paper going to be your wide receiver one. Your wide receiver one isn't just who makes the most catches and has the most yards on a particular game. I mean, we've seen Tate Dell do that. He's had a day. Nico's had a couple of days now. You know, look, no 100-yard game to his name, and now he's got two in the last three weeks. It's Nico Collins. But go back and look how many times he's just been used as a boundary guy this season through four weeks um, versus what he'd been his first two years 
in for the for the Houston Texans with you know two crap offensive coordinators. Um, I, I think that is the biggest difference. If you go ask Nico Collins in his usage, and maybe he won't say it. Look, he's he's a very uh, matter of fact, nonchalant, humble dude. I just want to go out and ball kind of guy. Uh, you know, put my head down and go to work. Hey, that's that's what he's done. Uh, that's what he continues to do. And Bobby Slowick, I think, finding different ways to get him the ball. Nico is so dang dangerous in the slot. It's ridiculous. And it's really difficult now. These dudes stay healthy between Nico, Woods, Tank Dell, and even Dalton Schultz making an appearance today. Now, tongue-in-cheek, this dude's just going to have to be a better all-around. And I'm talking about Dalton Schultz. I think Bobby Sloak just figured, well, hell, you ain't blocking nobody. I might as well throw your ass the ball today. And they did. He made good on a few times for some, uh, uh, you know, pretty big plays. But um, Texans have legitimately four dudes that they can go to in the red zone. And really all parts all over the field, uh, to be honest with you. And I thought Bobby Schultz, by the way, you know, I'm kind of going away from your Nico point. But, Dalton, you're talking about Dalton Schultz? Well, no, Bobby, Bobby. Did I say Bobby Schultz? I meant Bobby Slowick. I thought set everything up because the run game wasn't great early, but he found a way to get the ball into both Singletary and Damian Pierce's hands with a little bubble screens or a little snag routes or a little dump offs that went for some pretty big yardage, like nine, 10, 11, 12 yards a pop. I think that opened everything up. I think that forced the Steeler linebackers to take a step back a little bit, respect the play action, respect, you know, just that millisecond that I always talk about. I think that changed everything and opened up the game for uh, Bobby Slowick, CJ Stroud, and these receivers today. Yeah, and when I said Nico Collins, wide receiver one, I'm not talking about on the Texans. I'm not saying – I'm not talking about, oh, nobody believed that he could be better than Robert Woods and Noah Brown. I'm talking about this is a guy that can be one of the better wide receivers, top wide receivers in the NFL. He is. And and and, and the numbers are showing it. I mean, it's there. He is. He is. he is right now. Through the first month of the season, he is, you know um, – make all the excuses you want to find ways that you can paint that picture, you know, in, uh, well, you know, the Texans doesn't matter, man. Football's football. Crazy things happen. Nothing, nothing in the NFL ever, ever breaks the way it's supposed to on paper ever. That's why I hate, hate it as a sport to bet on. So I don't have any money to bet on it probably. Um, but it's, it is what it is through the first month. I mean, look at the final numbers today. I mean, who else in the league has gone for 164 yards today? I don't know if anybody has him coming in. He was probably a top five receiver. Uh, still, he might be a top two at the end of the day uh, in yardage and in catches and in yards per catch and in yards after the catch. Nico did it again today through contact. I mean, who's been better, uh, at least in the in the AFC, through contact as a receiver they talked about wanting to utilize that big body, and we focus so much all the time on it being in the red zone. Texans are doing it up the, in, in the middle of the field, and Nico's, Nico's getting that yak. And those are important yards. And I just, again, credit, credit to Bobby Slowick for identifying that and utilizing that to this point. I also got to point out before you go, I know, Sean, you're about to run, but yeah. got to point out that this wasn't just the Texans won a couple of games in a row. The Texans beat 
real teams, Jacksonville and Pittsburgh, and they just didn't beat them. Look at the scores. They beat them good. They beat a a Jacksonville team that was in the playoffs last year that you expected was going to be maybe the favorite to win the division and, and definitely in the playoffs this year. And they and they just took care of them. They, and they put a whooping on the Steelers, basically. I mean, they yeah. dominated the game from beginning to end. There was a point maybe in the third quarter where, yeah, they were – they were going down the field, but they were getting field goals, and that was it, and that was all. So, I mean, just an, an impressive two-game performance. And as I said to start the show, if you missed it, you know, I believe this team was a team that – why can't they win nine games? Why can't they win ten games? The schedule is not that difficult, and they're starting to get guys back, Sean. We're going to start seeing some more guys coming back to this team. And then there could be some other injuries, but you would hope that the injuries aren't going to be anywhere as major as your entire offensive line. Yeah. You know, I mean, there might be other injuries, but are you going to lose your entire offensive line? Some of these guys are coming back, and I assume some of them are going to stay back. Yeah, hopefully. You never know. Um, I know the latest report from Aaron Wilson regarding Laramie Tunsil is that things are trending to where he could return next week. And as you go into week five against the Falcons, well, you could get Juice Scruggs back. Uh, you can get Titus Howard back. Yeah, Titus um, is going to be back for sure from everything we've heard. Yeah, you know, you got you to gotta see how it just works, you know, in practice and with the hand and all that stuff. Um, that's the plan, though. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. But, you know, you talk about the, the win against the Jags, and I'll just say this before I go. I'm not trying to, like, squash it or anything because um, I'm as much a believer in what the Texans are doing as anybody, even, just even within the organization. But – People were putting way too much on the Jags too early, in my opinion. I mean, you saw seven, eight games with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, that duo, and it was like, oh, they've arrived. They're here. Well, the previous nine games, it looked like crap, you know? And Trevor Lawrence, where he was drafted through his first couple of years in the league, I know different head coaches and different coordinators, and it's been a disaster and a mess in Jacksonville. I get it. Um, Still. You're putting way too much on a duo too early that has holes and question marks throughout their team, offensively and defensively. If you ask me to go on the road, historically, I don't care about historical crap, especially in the NFL, because every single year, every team's roster is changing, you know, anywhere from 15, for the Texans case, 50%. Uh, Doesn't matter what they did historically. The point is, they went on the road and of environment much very similar to what the environment that they face today at NRG, where it's more than half of the away's uh, fans and you took care of business. You did what you were supposed to do against a team that isn't playing good football right now, offensively in the Jacksonville Jaguars that to be honest with you, isn't really playing good football period in any facet of the game. Today, you took advantage of an offense that people are giving way too much credit to. Two weeks ago, it was like, oh, yeah, Kenny Pickett can play. Last week, Kenny Pickett can't play. He's horrible. Today, Kenny Pickett was horrible. He isn't him. He ain't it. And that offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, might be the last day that he's calling plays. I don't know. The Steelers have a, have a decision to make on him. But D'Amico Ryans and Bobby Slowick and this Houston Texans team today did, to me, what they were supposed to do. They were the most disciplined team coming in skill position-wise. Both teams have struggled. If you go back and look, 
in terms of like dumb penalties that have really cost them and shot themselves in the foot at times this season already. But the Texans, they, they executed. And D'Amico talks about fundamentals. It's like very flat line, cliche, coach speak. They took care of fundamentally what they were supposed to do today in terms of blocking the guys that they were supposed to block to open up holes in the run game holding that guy for just a millisecond on a wide receiver screen and allow Nico, your biggest dude, to turn it up and blow through three would-be tackles and pick up 15 yards. It's those kinds of plays that extend drives, the decision-making by Stroud, the ability for Sloat to put Stroud in those positions to make those quick decisions. Like, all of that comes together. And to have it to have it kind of come to fruition so damn quickly, just within a month with a rookie quarterback and everybody seemingly brand new on this team, is the most impressive of it all. And I tell you this much, Vegas is kind of shredding up all of their preseason odds looking at this Texans team right now because they're going to be favorites or clo- more closely to pick over the course of the next month, month and a half, I think, with the way that they're playing now against these last two teams. Yeah, Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud says, we're just getting started. We're yeah. just getting started. And – he said to the fans, y'all deserve to feel special. We're going to keep fighting every day so y'all can walk around with that swag. And uh, Sean, man, it's it's been a blast. Uh, we are not done, but I know you've got to run. you got to work on some stuff for 610. But uh, thanks for doing this, brother. I appreciate you, man. And, um, you know, hey, hopefully we have many, many more of these kind of fun post-game conversations uh, like we did today. I'm telling you, it's the most wonderful time of the year, man. Strohs, postseason bound again, division winners, Texans, playing some of the best football that we've seen around here in a long, long time with a quarterback, a wide receiver, and a head coach. And you can all three get behind. Happy for it. Oh, absolutely, man. Take care. We'll talk Later. again in a few days. Thanks. All right. All right. Uh, what to keep going, though. Don't go anywhere because um, got to talk about J.J. Watt, man. It was J.J. Watt day out at the stadium. Some stuff at halftime that I thought was pretty good, although I wish it was longer. I hate these short halftimes when you're honoring J.J. Watt in the Ring of Honor. But one of the things that uh, we got to talk about was that uh, a couple of his teammates have been on our show over the years. And a few months ago, I asked Glover Quinn what he remembers about J.J. Watt's first training camp, and he was there for it. So uh, let's hear from uh, Glover Quinn. He he just had a personality for one for the fans. So from the minute he got there, he just, you know, the fans took to him and he knew how to entertain and work the crowd and stuff like that, even from training camp. But I remember being at practice and generally in practice, they don't let you sack the quarterback. And so Schaub would step back to throw the ball and JJ used to just knock down every pass, just almost like as defensive backs we couldn't hardly get any work in like he's knocking down every pass almost thing is you got in the games he was doing the same exact thing and I remember coach Kubiak wanted to say something to him one day because we was trying to get we trying to get some work in the secondary and we couldn't (laughs) because JJ was knocking down the ball every time and it got to the point to where he was doing it so much in the games that coach Kubiak was like well if you're going to do it in the games, I'm going to let you do it in practice because we're getting a realistic look at what it's like in, in the game. So, you know, DB's being ready to catch tip balls and, and you know, balls fluttering in the air because J.J. done got his hands on it. And so we began to practice that way, and he was doing it in the game. He ended up catching a pick. 
just I, mean, I remember his first playoff game, I think he was playing against Cincinnati. He catches a pick right out of midair and returns it for a touchdown, right? So he was doing those things in practice from, from the beginning, and he was doing those things in the game as well. Oh, yeah, that's some great stuff from Glover Quinn. If you want to go check out his full interview, it's up on our website. You can also find it anywhere you're listening to the podcast as well. And also, um, I also asked Wade Smith about J.J. Watt. And by the way, if you're you know watching this on YouTube, uh, what did you think about the halftime ceremonies? If you saw them, if you were there, let us know. Want to hear from more of everybody that's uh, listening. But uh, just uh, here's Wade Smith, former Texans left guard, about his first memories of Watt and lining up on the other side of him in camp. Do you remember the first time you, you might have uh, kind of messed with him a little bit in, in training camp and had a chance to go against him? The um, thing about J.J. was, like you said, most of the time he was on the other side of the, uh, the ball because I was playing left guard and he was mostly going against the right guard. Um, when he would come over to the left side, he wasn't as good on that side as he was on the other side. But you could see him where he was just like, this kid is this kid's going to be good. There was no way you would have thought he was going to become J.J. Watt. But you just could look at him early on before, like during OTAs, you could like this kid, he was always working hard. Like he was making plays. You, you could just tell that there was something special about him. You didn't know, like I said, there's no way we could have thought he was going to end up being, you know, arguably uh, one of the top five players to ever play his position. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Yeah, more good stuff there. Wade Smith. Um, we also had a longer conversation with Wade a few years back. Just go to the YouTube channel. That's the best way to find it and check that out. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about this Texans win, though, before we f- close things out. Uh, just uh, not, not just a big win, a signature win. This should put the Texans on the map as, hey, they're back. C.J. Stroud is for real. This guy is a top 10 quarterback today, not in two years, not in five years. The Texans nailed this draft, just Stroud alone. But look at the draft. C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson has had his moments this year so far. Uh, Tank Dell has had some incredible moments so far. Uh, You're starting to see maybe something from Toa Toa. Uh, Dylan Horton had a big play defensively. I mean, what if he starts doing something? And you're still waiting for Juice Scruggs, who might make his NFL debut next week. And he looked like he could be a legitimate center or guard wherever they put him in next week. But he looks legit. So an incredible draft could easily be the Texans. Best. Maybe it is already the Texans' best draft. Although, you know, we we loved back in the day that draft with D'Amico and Owen Daniels. And, you know, that Dwayne Brown, I think it was. That was a fantastic draft. But um, uh, I think it was Dwayne Brown. But. This draft looks like it could be the best ever. And uh, just some numbers uh, before we close things out as well. Damian Pierce, 24 carries, 81 yards. Yards per carry, 3.4. Not not a ton, but I just felt like it, it was how he got the numbers. And the fact that he got 24 carries meant the Texans were doing something offensively. As the game went along, not as many carries there because they were trying to run some clock. So keep that in mind. Devin Singletary, seven carries for 25 yards. And then on the receiving end, Nico Collins, we already talked about him. Seven carries, or seven catches, I should say, 168 yards. Dalton Schultz, three catches, 42. Pierce, one for 27. That was a big one. Robert Woods, three for 26. Mechie, a big one for him. It's always good to see him get a big one. One for 22. Tank Dell, one for 16. And Singletary, one for 11. Uh, Mike Boone, 
didn't like his fumble and his and his little chance in the fourth quarter. Got to hold on to the ball in those situations. But overall, I mean, just nothing to complain about, really. I mean, just nothing. This this was uh, one of the better all around games we've seen from the Texans ever. And I uh, just loved all this, all these great moments. Let me look in the comments before I take off and see what you guys are saying. Um, just Mark John says uh, it's anyone anyone's division, and I agree, it's anyone's division. And and obviously he's excited about C.J. Stroud too. So just a, a ton of stuff. If you're a Texans fan, to be excited, to look forward to. It is a new day, a new dawn has hit Houston, Texas. Thank you, D'Amico. Thank you, C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins and Tankdale and all of these guys. Uh, the Texans are to be reckoned with. We'll see what happens next week against the Falcons. I hope you guys join us on a regular basis for our show, Houston Sports Talk. But, of course, we're live after every Texans game. The Astros are officially in the playoffs. So, for years, we have been doing Astros postgame shows once they get into the playoffs. Stay tuned for that. My old partner, Stephen Kerr, will be there for that. So another good reason to uh, keep an eye out for everything that's going on on our YouTube channel. But we put all that stuff out as well on our podcast. So you can always go find it on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for uh, staying with us throughout this. And uh, we'll talk again real soon. Hey, let's say it one more time. Houston Texans, two in a row. They're two and two. They're for real. Go Texans. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.